This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to take your online presence to the next level? Well, grab your favorite mug because you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs podcast, where we brew up strategies to help you stand out online. I'm your host, Kate Payne, and I'm here to ignite your digital presence and bring out the best in your business. Like you, I love coffee, but my true calling is helping entrepreneurs like you unleash their unique stories to make a lasting impact in the world and become more visible online. I'll be your guide as we delve into riveting conversations with experts, clients, and colleagues. We'll cover a wide range of topics from networking and digital marketing to social media and the latest business and personal branding trends. Consider this your all-in-one resource for online visibility. Together, we'll discover all the ways you can stand out online and make an impact in the world. So let's connect, share ideas, and learn from each other. Hey, everybody. Kate Payne here on my show, Coffee with Kate. And I am with my dear friend and book coach, Paula Diaco. Paula, welcome to Coffee with Kate. Yay. Oh, look, you have the same mug. Isn't that interesting? I Isn't it? I wonder how that happened. I have no idea. Magic, well, I think. Thank you for being with me today. So I'm really excited to have Paula here today. Paula is a book and writing coach, and she helps people publish their nonfiction book. So before I go any further, though, Paula, describe from the standpoint of what you do, what makes a nonfiction book with the types of books you help people write? Yeah, so uh, nonfiction versus fiction, which would be a novel. So I help people with their nonfiction book. So everything in it is the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Versus something made up. So it, but it could be memoir, which is someone's life story. That's nonfiction written much like a novel in that it has a story. Other nonfiction books are how to, inspirational, self help, um, lots of different types of nonfiction books. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting to me. And what I want to also get into later too is that talking about the difference between trying to get a traditional publisher and Mm -hmm. self publishing and things like that. Sure. But what we're really going to talk about today is author platform. And one of the reasons I love what you talk about with regard to the author platform as you prepare to write your nonfiction book is that it's actually very similar or correlates to the type of work I do with my clients, a lot of whom are authors, actually, um, when I talk about because you all hear me talk about personal branding all the time. And so your author platform is definitely very strategic and necessary. But I think it's interesting that there is a correlation between the two and we can kind of dig into that. So um, we do have some people joining us. Um, Molly Goodyear is on. Hi, Molly. Thank you for being here. So so talk a little bit, start us at the beginning, like, you know, author platform, or is there something we need to know even before that? Yeah. So what is author platform? Um, It's a commonly asked question by agents. If you were to pitch one um, live, especially they'll say, so if you're pitching a nonfiction book, they will say, what is your platform? And sometimes the the writer, soon to be author, will look like a deer in the headlights. And some of them will say something to the effect of my platform includes 10,000 people on LinkedIn. It includes uh, 20 articles in the New York Times. It'll include uh, keynote um, presentations to this, that, and the other organization. So your platform is 
your audience. How have you built your audience? And it can also be the means by which you build your audience. There are many ways to define it. But when you say you have a platform, it means that people know who you are. Okay. So similar, yeah. similar to your personal brand. And I've talked about this before. So when I talk about personal brand, and I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of how to make you stand out online, mm -hmm. um, is um, you need to know you know, your, your personal brand is essentially your reputation and mm -hmm. your reputation is made up of your integrity, your values, and certainly your professional industry expertise. Mm -hmm. So, so it goes, it's very similar. And, you know, I think that an author or an about to be author has to also understand their personal brand, but there's going to yeah. be an interesting correlation with their, with their author platform as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason why they they are not they they are not identical to one another. Um, I right. because only because authors have yet to work with you who don't understand the whole integrity, the this and that that the branding brings in. But certainly, if they are a person who has opinions about things, writes about that, it's going to show up in their platform, right? It's going to exactly. show up. Yeah. So the fact that they work with you is really like the um, platform on steroids, if you will, like really be looking at what are you saying to your audience? Who do you want to be known as? What do you want them to look to you as an authority on? How credible are you coming across in your platform? Are you being seen? Are you becoming known? Um, it's really important because publishers want to be able to sell your book. They're in uh, a, a business that makes money and right. um, they're very interested in selling your book. So that so if you can show up and demonstrate that you have an audience for it, that people have seen you, um, you can even go so far as no like and trust. It totally mm -hmm. parallels the business experience because books are a product. Exactly. They are sold. OK, there's it's like. I say that I, I meet my writers between the intersection of creativity and the business world. And I bring help them bring in the creative um, juices that create the book, but ultimately it needs to be sold. And um, your platform is going to help you do that. Okay. Um, just a quick shout out to somebody we both know, Paula, Suzanne Johnson. Hi, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. And um, actually a good friend of mine um, who helps me with some of my contract writing, um, Joyce Holman. Joyce, thanks for joint tuning in. Wonderful. So, yeah. So let's just back up to when you talked about your knowing your audience or building, you know, you've got to mm -hmm. define your audience. A lot of us know what that means, especially in the business world. We usually, I think the thing that would relate is who's your ideal client? So, you know, from a, mm -hmm. from an author standpoint, can you define a little bit more about how one identifies or builds their audience? Yeah. So that's like the first thing that we do when we work together is uh, I want them to tell me who they think their audience is. And then we actually I help them determine if that's accurate. Like, mm -hmm. who are they working with? Who are they attracting? Who are they most likely to help? And then what are they doing to bring them into the fold, if you will? And that can be platform building activity. It can be workshops that you hold. It could be uh, master classes. It can be um, uh, being invited on people's um, live casts on Facebook and LinkedIn, right? Yeah. It's basically demonstrating who you are. What are you about? Mm -hmm. what, who are you speaking to? Who do you have the most authority with? 
who is looking to you as an expert or a guide for them in some issue. It's in, in books too, much like every other bit of marketing collateral and books are marketing collateral, you are um, solving a problem. What would you say the number one reason is that, that or not? I shouldn't say the number one reason. Why do you think people want to write a, write a book? I mean, maybe there's different reasons, but what do you think the most important um, or critical component is for somebody who finally says, okay, I'm going to write that book. I'm a, I'm a life coach and I'm going to finally write this book about my methodology because I want to fill in the blank. Yeah, because they really want to help those people who need the help. And very often it is an experience that they had in their life and they want to impart their knowledge that they gained overcoming some obstacle in their life. And they want that book to be able to do that. Um, they have a real, um, I just was speaking with someone yesterday who's writing a memoir about her life and her growing up and her struggles. And this memoir, um, she says, I don't want it just to be a story, a horror story, if you will. She said, I want it to be a self-help book. I want people to not have to go through what I did growing up, or if they did, to be able to, uh, to help those issues now as an adult. Mm -hmm. So very often a non, you know, a nonfiction book is, um, is the perfect vehicle for doing that, is helping we as business owners demonstrate our expertise in book form. That's what okay. it is. So yeah. does, so what, given what you just said, then does it make a difference if somebody is wanting to write a book for the first, the first reason you mentioned, which is because they want to serve and help, right? They want to, mm -hmm. you know, they, that's really their passion. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes people create a book because they feel like it's something they should do because it's a lead generation tool or a lead magnet, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure it can serve that purpose. So, yeah. Thinking of that, does it make a difference if, if you self-publish or if you get a traditional publisher? Yeah. So if it's going to be a lead magnet, if you're going to use it for lead generation, then um, very often going the self-publishing route just really totally makes sense. I also want to just back up a little bit on the yeah. self-publishing versus traditional. Very often, because self-publishing has a little bit of a past of um, mediocre to not great books that have come out because it just, it allowed all of us to be able to take our words, slap them between covers and publish them. Um, there's a, you know, a view that self-published books aren't valuable or they're not very good. And that is really rapidly changing mm -hmm. um, because of hybrid publishing. And I'm not gonna get into all of the differences about them right now, but basically, writers are getting expert content experts who also want to write are getting help in the publishing process. And so they're putting out much better books. So, um, uh, so they're putting out books about what they know and, um, and self-publishing is a very efficient way to do that. They're able to get the book out much faster because realize that if you were to have a book proposal submitted to um, submitted to a publisher today, it would be, and if they accepted it today, you signed the contract, it would be 18 months before you would see wow. that book. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's I had no idea it took that long. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a process. Now there are independent presses, smaller presses that could be more nimble and get it out quicker. And there are some reasons why some business people, even though it still is a lead magnet, will want to go that route. 
but if you want to be able to use it to hand out when once we're all live mm -hmm. and handing out our business cards, handing it out in lieu of a business card, then going, you know, a self-publishing route just really makes sense. You can get one out in a matter of months, certainly within a year. So I know we're talking, we're, we're still focusing on author platform and we can come back to that. But um, what is the process? Like if somebody says, okay, I've been really, somebody's watching right now, really been wanting to, you know, dying to write my book on something. Um, I think self-publishing is the way I want to go. What, mm -hmm. What's their first step? I mean, obviously they could call someone like you. Um, you know, is it expensive? Is it challenging? You know, what's the best way to do it so that if you are going to self-publish, you're really self, you're publishing something that's really solid and robust. Yeah. So I find out how much of the book has been written. Um, again, we go back to the audience and we look at the topic. Is that topic and audience, do they match? It's mm -hmm. really, really important. Very often people come to me with an idea for a book, but it isn't actually the topic. So we define and refine the topic. We define and refine the audience in conjunction with one another because the, the, the topic has to serve the audience. And then we look at how long is it going to take them to write the book? Do, do they have it already partially written? Do they have it completely written? Does it need editing? It probably does. We all need to be edited, by mm -hmm. the way, yes, including me. Even um, all the New York Times bestselling authors all have excellent editors just so you know yes and then we decide do are they um confident that they could do more of the self-publishing tasks i did have a client who was very confident and she did an excellent job others i have a client right now who is with the hybrid publisher that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and that is a situation where you pay the publisher for things like your book cover design your interior layout some editing, proofreading, maybe publicity that you can often get things a la carte and they will put it together, but they will vet the book first like a traditional publisher because they want you to have the best book and they right. want to publish the best book. So it's a really nice marriage of the two. And it just really depends on your confidence level and, uh, around you know, self-publishing. Okay. When you, yeah. sell, when, when one, when one typically publishes, self-publishes a book, are those the books that you typically see um, that go on to Amazon to be sold? So all just a myth. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's just clarify every book that has an ISBN number ends up on Amazon. That's okay, a given. So self-published book has an ISBN number. Absolutely. Okay. You should absolutely have an ISBN number because you don't, Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about Amazon. I, I know. I'm sorry, but it's just, a, it's okay. whenever anybody I know self-publishes a book, that's the yeah. first thing it does. And then they put out this campaign to try to get people out of, we don't need to go into the whole back end, but I think yeah. that's just what a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. So you're referring to KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, which oh, is okay. Amazon's publishing arm. Gotcha. And um, I just, uh, here's a great story. Do we have time for a little story? We sure do. Awesome. That's what we do, right? I don't know this. But you woman, need to take but... a sip of your coffee for. Right. Remember, it's coffee with Kate and Paula. It is. Um, <laughs> so I was in a group the other day filled with writers and a woman had written a memoir and she had done all the things that you do with a memoir. She had it edited. She had beta readers. Um, she had written it for years. She had people who were experts giving her input and it wasn't selling. She wasn't finding an agent who would um, pitch it to publishers. So she decided, you know what? This is such an important story. 
She uploaded it to KDP. She got print copies. I don't know all the marketing she did, but she ended up selling 5,000 copies of her memoir, uh -huh. which what? is a press initial an initial press run for a publisher. Oh. She did it. She did it. And she made her money back. And then some, she has a book in the world. It's a good quality book because of all of the pre-works that she did. That's like the perfect situation where someone decides to use KDP. And it was really kind of cool to learn. Well, interesting. I, I learned from so for any of you, those of you watching, if you have any questions for Paula about publishing your book or author platform, feel free to put those in the comments and we'll, I'll shout them out to, uh, to Paula. I'm also supposed to give a shout out to my son, Ben, who was watching. Oh, awesome. He, hey, texted, me, he texted me and said, what? No shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, That's cute. stuff is real people. <laughs> yeah, for real. Hey, we're live. So let's go back to author platform. So when you're working with somebody that whether they're going to self-publish or traditional, um, what are the kinds of uh, things in the platform? You mentioned some at the very top of the hour, but what are some of the things you have them sort of pull together? So they obviously let's, let's assume they know their audience, right? You've mm -hmm. already been through that. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things are you having them pull together? Like what's the sort of the, a, a snapshot of the process? Okay, specifically around platform. Yeah, it's like to, yeah. to build the platform. What are what are the yep. pieces of the foundation of the platform? Yeah, so I look at what social media they're on or not. They may not be on social media, and I actually have had clients who have a real anathema to, to yep. social media. So um, because I generally work with people with a business background or an entrepreneurial bent, I do get them on LinkedIn, and sometimes they're on LinkedIn, and I will encourage them to beef it up and to be active on LinkedIn, and really, that's an awesome place to be. Very mm -hmm. often, their perfect reader is there too, right? Right. Um, so that's very helpful. And I look at what are they writing for content? If they're already a writer, if they already self-identify as a writer, then they probably have written chapters of their book that they don't aren't going to use, but it's really meaty content. We look right. at the content. How can we deliver that to the world? How can we deliver that to their their ideal reader? So are they going to or are they going to register on medium.com and do mm -hmm. some blogging on there and then also um, write some articles on LinkedIn and bring the LinkedIn articles into medium. So you've got two wonderful audiences, huge, huge audiences. Huge. Um, and that is actually social media but it's quiet. I call it quiet social media. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not the, the, um, I don't even know what's going on Twitter. I go on there and it's like a scary place. And I just no, hop no, off. It's, it's really loud. It's got a cacophony of noise. <laughs> oh boy. It's really loud. So, you know, and I get that. I, I, I get that. If you're a writer very often, you don't like that. So I get them on medium. I get them on elephant journal. If what they write about is uh, relevant to Elephant Journal. I've never um, heard of Elephant Journal. What is that? Yeah, it is also, I would call it a public blogging site. Okay. Um, Elephantjournal.com or? I believe it is. Okay. Yes. And it is for um, probably more spiritual, uh, meditation, yoga types of audiences. Um, and they also have communities on Elephant Journal. So you can establish a community. Great way to build a platform. If you're if that's what you're writing about, if that's what your book is about, 
why not pull together a community, you know, and then be feeding them content so that when your book is ready to come out, you can let them know and get pre-orders. I mean, there's just so many things you can do, but we right. look at like, who are they as a person and what are they um, not just comfortable doing in terms of platform? Because even though they're entrepreneurs and they're business people, sometimes marketing their book just feels really awful to them. I, think I know it feels, it feels, um, it just feels yucky or slimy or slick and everybody, well, it's the same reason that people, when they have a LinkedIn profile and whatever their business is, regardless of whether it's about a book is they're like, I'm afraid to talk about myself, feel comfortable promoting myself. And yeah. so, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. Totally. So yeah. we do the same thing. We go down, I have a long laundry list and we discuss how can we do them, but how can we integrate them? So you're writing content once and sharing it in as many ways as possible. Okay. Make we have efficient. A, we have yeah. a, a great question from um, somebody who's on here. I know, you know, Pat. She says, should we ask an editor or at least someone with some language skill to read a blog post before we put it online? That's a great question. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, question. And I would say yes, De definitely run it by even someone, you know, a colleague who is uh, has a way with words, right? Mm -hmm. To just read it. Does it make sense? Um, is there a point being made? Um, are there typos? I mean, all the things. Right. Yeah. So for okay. sure, it's not a bad idea. And my friend Joyce says, I read Elephant all the time. They have a very specific and devoted they following. Oh, they yeah. do indeed. Joyce, yeah. is a, Joyce is a writer and editor in um, New Hampshire. Oh, awesome. We yeah. should probably connect Joyce. Yes. We'll do that. Yes. Joyce um, works, yeah. with me, works with me closely and she's amazing. Awesome. So um, so the other thing I just want to mention, just to for the those who are listening and listening to the replay as well, is that some people who are using their LinkedIn platform don't even realize that there is a publishing component to LinkedIn. So there's the LinkedIn publishing platform. And I know you know all about it, Paula. Um, but if you are, I'm just going to take this moment because we're on the topic, is if you as a business owner are writing a blog or anything like that already on your existing website, and remember, the only thing you own on the internet is your website. You don't own your LinkedIn profile. You don't own your Facebook page. They could all go belly up tomorrow and you'd still yeah. have a website. So anyway, once you publish your blog, let's say you do it once a month or twice a month or whatever you do, wait a couple days and you can actually repurpose that blog um, as an article on LinkedIn's publishing platform. Mm -hmm. The way you do that is to go into your newsfeed at the top where you write your post. Um, over Underneath, there's like a photo thing where you want to add a photo or a video that says write an article. You click on write an article and it will take you into the template to create your um your article with an image at the top and then your copy. So if you have your blog in a Google doc or, you know, or a word doc, um, you can just cut and paste it and you can get extra traction um, from your blog. Uh, a lot of people say that the template um, I, I read medium on occasion and I, I used to try to publish there a few years ago, the template and the way to do it. Uh, if you'd use medium is actually, I'm told very similar. And it um, and you want to make sure you use some outbound links. So like if you're using an industry term, for example, you could highlight it, make it a link and have it send to some other website that explains what that jargon is or something like that. Yep. But um, it's a way uh, to get more eyes on your stuff. And the nice bonus part about a LinkedIn article is that at the bottom, people can um, engage in a conversation with you. A lot of us have turned off that feature on our blogs because of all the trolls and the spam. But fortunately, so far, um, LinkedIn's not very spammy 
And then just to add to that, one of the things you said about social media being noisy is I always say, you know, LinkedIn isn't really social media. It's a professional online network. And I tell, that's exactly what I tell people too. Right. And you and I both kind of always say it's not as, it's not as noisy there. It it isn't. And and there's conversations going on there, really like bona fide meaty conversations. If I post something on LinkedIn and then post it on Facebook, I get snarky replies on Facebook because it's social hour. Exactly. Right. my goodness, blah, 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 blah. And what they say is, you know, like, I want to introduce you to someone who does what you do, or, you know, that's amazing because of blah, blah, blah. And it's just that much, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit more professional. We have a <laughs> few questions coming in. First of all, I have Good. to give a shout out to a person whom I've never met in real life, Andy Foote. Thank you for being here, Andy. Um, Andy runs our um, LinkedIn Action User Group Heroes uh, Facebook page. For all the LinkedIn experts in the world, Andy, I'm thrilled you're here, but he's got a question for you, Paula. So uh, has there been a loosening of language grammar standards over the years? More profanity, more text SMS speak. And how important is this in respect to speaking to your audience? That is an excellent question. Yeah, that, yes. And Andy has a fabulous sense of humor. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there has been for sure. I mean, we're seeing a lot more use of um, four letter words. Uh, some people's um, platform is is them. And if they're a four letter word user, they're using it. They're being what they feel is their uh, real self and they own up to it. They, you know, and that's just what they do. So, so there has been a loosening. I mean, I've seen more titles in the books or, yeah. uh, you know, things that are in the, they're actually in the title. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. It seems like 2019, 2020 was the year of using the F word in your book title. It was pretty funny. So we can chalk like, it up to, uh, it's, to, you know, COVID 2020 or the year, yeah. the, the year yeah. that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so in terms of language, that's one thing. But if you are going to be published by a traditional publisher or you're hiring a, a professional editor to look at your work and it's particularly particularly your manuscript, it is um, it is going to be good. It's going to be clean and it's going to even if you use swear words, they will be used appropriately. Yes. Um, we've got another question here from uh, Jane C. Jane Taylor is publishing on LinkedIn more valuable than sharing a post. Um, Go ahead. No, you go ahead. All right. So I don't think it's more valuable. I think it's how you, um, how you view it. I think it is super valuable, but here's something that I have my clients do and it's related, um, Kate, to um, having a post on your blog and then sharing it on LinkedIn I actually recommend that they post on the blog. You always post first to the place where you want to bring traffic. Exactly. Right. right. So That's where you live. That's home online. You want people to come to your website, then you post it on your website. Then a few days later, after Google's had its sent its spiders in to index on your on your website, put it on LinkedIn. LinkedIn loves it because LinkedIn, we all know, love link, LinkedIn loves content, yes. adores content. Then you wait a few days, let Google index that. You go over to Medium and Medium allows you to draw in it. um, I forget the term, but it allows you to put a URL, the URL of either LinkedIn or your blog 
into medium oh, and it I wasn't aware in, of that it brings in the entire article including any photo and then at the bottom it attributes where it came from originally so it bypasses google's duplicate co content right. rule. yes right yeah so i call it a content trifecta you are getting seen in three different places, your blog and traffic, right. blog, medium, LinkedIn. Well, and I'll add to that, um, if you don't mind, Paula, to to, um, to Jane's question about publishing on LinkedIn, whether it's more valuable than sharing a post. Yeah. It's not necessarily more, more valuable. In fact, it's not really an apples to apples kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so your posts that you do during the week and um, are, you know, post post two, three times a week with long form content if you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe post on a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday or whatever and pick a time, sp but spread out your posts because your your long form content or, or an update that you put in your in your feed, I feel like I can't find my words, um, is, is always gonna be like you serving your audience. You're putting out mm -hmm. content that's helpful and interesting. It may be sharing a URL of an article or somebody else's content. It may be about some of your own content and that's gonna get its own kind of traction and engagement. Mm -hmm. When you publish an article as a LinkedIn, you know, on the LinkedIn publishing platform, that gets a different level of engagement. Now, a lot of people, um, especially lately, have said they don't get the kind of engagement or the kind of views on an article that they used to. And that seems to sort of be across the board. In fact, all of you who are on here, follow Andy Foote, who's watching, A-N-D-Y, Foote, F-O-O-T-E, connect with him on LinkedIn. Hmm. He puts out great content. And um, he he's, uh, talks a lot about this stuff. But anyway, the, uh, the views have gone down. However, comma, the SEO value you get, the search engine optimization value you get for the traction on the back end um, for the topic, um, is is actually very valuable. And that's why a lot of people still publish there, even if the engagement from the standpoint of views and comments doesn't seem great. You mm -hmm. still, so if somebody goes into Google and types in a search phrase about a certain topic and it's re relevant to your blog slash LinkedIn article, then you're more likely to show up in Google search or LinkedIn mm -hmm. search. I never say guaranteed because I can't guarantee anything they do. Right. Um, but it's it's still a good way. The other thing is, too, is it's just that not everybody goes to your website. So if somebody's yeah. looking at your post on LinkedIn and then they want to mm -hmm. look at your profile and they scan your profile, they can see all of the archived articles that you've written yes. in the past. And so it's another yeah. lens, a deeper lens into your thinking, your thought yep. leadership on a certain topic. Mm -hmm. So kind yeah. of a long answer to your short question, Jane. But um you know, they're separate and they both have their own value. Yeah, exactly. Um, Joyce has just popped in again. Uh, it's better to start on the real estate that you own, so to speak, which is yeah. your website, than link to LinkedIn, et cetera, cor correct? Um, so yes, always on first, as we said, on your website first, mm -hmm. um, but also have, have your links and stuff on your website so that people can follow you on the channels that you choose to promote. Yep. 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 And by the way, just a quick aside, so like I'm on Instagram, but I don't do much on Instagram for my business. So I don't put my Instagram on my standingoutonline.com website because right. if people went there, they'd see pictures of my dog and, you know, silly stuff of me doing silly stuff. And that's just like, it's not part of my brand. So why have people go there? Yeah. Y yep. That makes <laughs> sense. And it, it just depends on how much you want them to know, like, and trust you too. Yes. I mean, some people, you know, if they're writing a book, um, people you know, I think fans of authors 
want all of that author. Oh, I, I agree. I absolutely yeah. totally agree. So they would be thrilled to know they're on Instagram and they get to see their, yes. their dog. Yes. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, I don't use the channel that often. I get it. You know, I like every couple months or something. So sure. and since I do what I do, I mean, I'm not going to put that up there because it's just not a yep. place where I do much. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, you know how it is when you research people, they look and they're like, oh, they're active on LinkedIn. Oh, they've done a blog. They've done this. They've they've published articles here. All right. So let's um, let's get back again to um, to getting prepared to write your book. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to sell anything here, but can you kind of just give us a little bit of a, a, a snapshot of how you work with someone. So if someone calls you up and says, Paula, I've got this great idea for a book. Um, I'd like to consider working with you. Um, how, how is it that you work with me? Can you just sort of describe what that looks like? Yeah, sure. So again, we look to see, you know, what are they wanting to write? What are they wanting to achieve? There may be a situation like one of my clients who ultimately wants to write a memoir, and um, but she was really nervous about writing. She hadn't been writing in years. She didn't feel she was quite up to grade. Not true, but that was her perception. And so she started writing with me in my writing salon. And that gave her an opportunity to be creative and be safe, be in a really safe environment and to produce content. She's written chapters for the book. She's ultimately going to um, pitch to publishers. And she's also been able to write a variety of articles um, that she's placed on, um, I believe she has a Medium account as well as LinkedIn. And she just hired me to help her get serious about her magazine article writing. She really wants to be pitching to publications where an editor vets her and accepts her essay, personal essay or article. And she just sent me an email this morning. Um, I'm surprised I'm not gonna start crying because I'm so <laughs> proud of my clients that she has two editors who have accepted her articles just this week um, alone. And um, and she's going to shoot high. She's like, I didn't even know that I could get published potentially in the New York Times, but the New York Times takes tons and tons of freelance submissions. And that's on her um, that's on her dream list. That's on her goal list. Actually, it's not a dream. It's a goal. And she is now reading the appropriate columns to understand what the editor wants. And she will be pitching. So, so exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And she's like, you know, what? I can't believe I'm doing what I've wanted to be doing for years. And now she sees that she is more than capable. She has the writing skill sets and she has the motivation all together now to write that memoir when she's absolutely ready to do so, but she's getting closer. And what she's doing in the meantime is building her platform. Well, and I think you, didn't you have another client that posted yesterday about getting published in a magazine? Or is it I think the, same one, is this the one you just mentioned? Is that the same same person? Yeah. yeah. And so, is this the first time she's ever been, you know, published in a in a in a in a yes. mainstream publication like that? Yeah, that's it's, exciting. That's really exciting. exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it's super exciting. So, um, if somebody wants to reach out, what what are the best ways that they can um, connect with you? Yeah, I would love to uh, connect with you on LinkedIn. I um, there I am. So by all means, reach out and uh, we'll connect. Uh, my website too is uh, writestoriesnow.com and you can see what it is I offer and um, uh, 
that's always useful. And I also, could I also um, pitch, just be totally obnoxious and pitch my upcoming challenge for next actually, week? Actually, I was going to actually ask you about that. So you, yeah. you, you've already, obviously we're great minds think alike here. Yeah. So absolutely talk about your challenge because I think it's, sure. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so I uh, actually have a challenge. It's in my Facebook uh, group, and I will include links to both in comments. Um, What's your um, Facebook goes. group URL? Because I it, can right now if you give it to it, me. It's your big book dream. On your Facebook. big book dream. Your big book dream. Yeah. Dot com. Uh, is it well, oh, it's Facebook. Facebook. Right, let me. So it's Facebook slash your big book dream. I think you have to put groups and then forward slash your big book dream. Oh boy. I don't know if I'm doing this. I'll I'm just gonna... put the link in the okay. comments. It's right. no problem. I'm just and, um, your big book dream. So they kind of know what, yeah. because it, they, I'm, yeah, definitely search for it when they, they go on uh, Facebook. Um, so I am offering a challenge next week. It's five days and it's a be seen in magazines because be that is magazines. Be seen in magazines. And, that won't talk uh, tongue nicely. It does indeed. And so it'll allow people to learn what what is magazine publishing. It's not, um, I mean, obviously there are still tons of magazines being printed. There are tons of magazines online. There are many printed magazines that also have an online presence. There is platform versus publication we're going to be going over, as well as how do you pitch to them? How do you come up with the topic? Um, what is would be one of your dream goals of being published in? And um, it is a really amazing way to um, get credibility, authority, marketing reach, all part of building your platform. Okay. Um, Jane just posted this. She obviously yeah. thank you. Thank you. She's and, a member. <laughs> yeah. And we have another hat. Uh, if I am in the self-publish, should I find a personal editor first or does a hybrid publisher do that for me? Such a good question. So if you are self-publishing, um, you, um, okay. So a hybrid publisher very often offers editing as part of their service. You pay for that. And um, you may or may not have a choice. You may or may not know the editor. You would make an assumption that the editor is really good, right? Because you're paying for it. But I know that I have actually referred my clients to um, an editor before they either pitched uh, or are getting ready to pitch to traditional publishers or uh, actually have a contract with a hybrid publisher. And um, I recommended a uh, an editor for them and they ended up hiring her. Huh. So um, you definitely... Um, if you're totally like self-publishing, you're not going through a hybrid publisher, you absolutely positively have to have some editing done. Sometimes some hybrid publishers only offer copy editing. I'm all for um, offering developmental editing yeah. and line absolutely. editing, which come in first. Copy editing is towards the end and proofreading is really an editing process and that's an absolute must as well. So there's four levels of editing that you could go through just to get your manuscript in really tippy top shape. So, okay. That's, that's fascinating. That was a great question. Thank you, Pat. So as we wind down here, now I'm going to do what people typically do at the beginning of a show. And I want to, I want to talk about like your background a little bit. So yeah. I've known Paula 
for a very long time. I don't even know how many number of years now, probably like 15 or so. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I met Paula through um, an organization we have here in Vermont, which is where we're both from, called the Women Business Owners Network, WBON. And I became um, executive director in, I think it was 2010. And I met Paula. Um, she and her husband own a, um, can I say the name? Yeah. Yeah, Sinorama franchise here yeah. in Wilmington, Vermont. Mm -hmm. And um, I met Paula and I, I knew she was very funny. But she said to me, and I think she said it with her tongue in cheek, but I didn't know her not well enough at the time. And she said, uh -huh. well, I'm glad you're the new you know, ED. And if there's something you do wrong, I'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> and I remember walking out of there and for about two weeks, I was like, oh my God, if I do anything wrong, Paula Diaco is going to, you know, hate me or whatever. And then it was the, like the group police or something. I don't, well, you were totally being funny. I just didn't, you know, know you well oh, enough. Yeah, then. That's super and, funny. Anyway, fast forward, we became, um, we became very dear friends over time. Yeah. And we've gone to, um, we've gone to many conferences together and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, we, we do, um, we are each other's, um, uh, accountability partner in some ways when we're thinking mm -hmm. about things in our business. Yeah. But can you tell people, just tell your story a little bit about how you went yeah. from doing the sign shop with your husband to going now back into your first love of writing. Yeah. Well, because I was so many years in the sign shop, it was like 20 over more than 20 years. People didn't realize that actually before the sign shop, I was literally talking to George Takei on the phone. Star Trek fame. Yeah, George, very sweet man. I yeah. and this is pre-internet. I called San Francisco um operator to get his number and she gave it to me. Okay. That's wow. how yeah. It wasn't that long ago that you could do that because I was pondering writing a biography of him for an educational publisher. As it turned out, I really didn't have the time, but still it gave me an opportunity to talk to him. I think I talked to him twice, um, which was really super fun. I the, That educational publisher is someone that I did a lot of work for, including write a book for middle grade students on science, which is my background, and lots of educational materials, which was really, really fun. I've also worked for a magazine publisher. So I know the ins and outs. I freelance wrote. I started my career writing professionally for magazines. And the the um, the suggestion of the day was write about what you know. And I thought, what do I know about? I know a lot about horses. I grew up with them and I know about science. I just got a degree in it. So I literally sought out horse magazines and um, some science magazines and, and ended up becoming a stringer uh, contributing editor for Genetic Engineering News. I didn't know that part. Yeah, that was super and fun. And I think the writing slash almost journalism is in your yeah. DNA. Yes, it is. I grew up uh, in a family of writers. My father uh, was a daily news reporter and editor. He retired from the Burlington Free Press, for those of you who are in Vermont. And I learned a lot from him. Um, a quick story. I had to, I was in some writing class. I took writing classes despite being a science major. Um, I had to do an assignment and I had to interview someone and he said, okay, we're going to do man on the street. And mm -hmm. he literally took me down to Church Street in Burlington 
And we, and he said, come up with a topic. What's in the news? Ask someone on the street, say that you're, you know, you need to write an article about it. I was scared to death. I was so shy. I was uh, like, I was just scared to death. And he just showed me how, and he stood there and he gave me the, the, the technique to do it. And I ended up interviewing some people and writing an article. So, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you know that my background, my degree is in journalism. I, um, I went to college. And so growing up in Vermont, went to college in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we used to have to do man in the street interviews, yeah. too. We had to do yeah. them with a camera, um, yeah. and a microphone. And right. so that was even more onerous to do that because people are already a little bit of afraid of a camera. It's one thing if you're just going to say, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And you write mm-hmm. the notes down. Or even if you're holding a handheld little, you know, back then right. it was a little tape recorder. Yeah. Um, but but I'll tell you what, though, as far as learning how to interview and yeah. learning how to listen, yes. not just talk, doing those man in the street interviews puts you on your feet really fast. It really does. And, and it's a great exercise. <laughs> yeah, it is. I had the little, you know, the reporters flip. Yeah, nope. the stenographer, not the stenographers, the reporters the little, book. And they're the, little. Yeah. My dad gave me one so I'd look official. Yep. Yeah, it was yep. really cool. To, I used to give them to us in college. It was like the the actual thing. And I remember feeling yeah. like, Whoa, <laughs> I know. I know. It felt yeah. very official. It was yeah. really fun. So yeah, I grew up, my mom's a short story writer and poet. So words, language, writing books was a constant in my family. And it still is. My sister, Pat, who's uh, asked a few questions is also a professional editor and an author. And um, so we, you know, if we, if we ask one another, Hey, I got a story. Everyone's all ears. Like, my mom, who's 96, leans in and wants to hear the story. Yeah. So I understood story and, and self-identified as a writer from the time I could physically write, uh, which, you know, six, seven years old. I, and I wrote a book. I even and wrote now, a book. Now, and now look where you are. Well, you know what? It took me a long time to realize this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do. It took me my whole adult life. And I sat down one day and self-coached myself. What do I want to do? And this came up and I thought, oh, why didn't I think of this sooner? I adore writers. I adore business, especially business women, I think are so enormously courageous and creative and yeah. Having an opportunity to sit in their story, they don't know it. They're going to now. But when we are done our session, I have uh, a little cry fest because I am so honored to be a part of their story. So yes. incredibly honored. I can uh, That resonates with me as well. When I work with my clients and I try to tease out that nugget of personal story that they can incorporate into their, into their LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm captivated and that's why stories are so important because yes. if you can figure out how to message them and write them about them on your, on your platforms, yes. on the written word, you are going yep. to hook people in um, yep. and have them make a connection with you. Mm-hmm. Like just sort of the bio like kind of thing. Like I've done such and such for 20 years and, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody can say that. So, um, well, anyway, Paula, thank you so much for being on my Coffee with Kate and having coffee with me today. It's been awesome. It was fun having you here. Thank you again so much, Paula. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Your journey to online visibility and personal branding success is just beginning. If you're ready to take it to the next level, I have something really special for you. I'm offering a complimentary discovery call exclusively to our listeners. This personalized session is your chance to ask questions and gain insights on your personal branding efforts or even your LinkedIn marketing strategies. I've also prepared a free ebook titled Telling Your Story, 
tips to discover what sets you apart. It's packed with tips and tricks to help you identify your own compelling slice of life story. This resource will empower you to craft a narrative that captivates your audience and sets you apart from the competition. To schedule your free discovery call or to access the Telling Your Story ebook, simply click the links in the podcast description below.